Now let's pray together. God, as we, uh, we do celebrate uh, love today, love expressed in, in family, uh, in moms, maybe earthly, maybe spiritual, um, let us remember the greatest love of all uh, is the love that uh, you've given to us in Jesus. And the words of that song, that, that our life began when he arose, that's a radical thought, that our life began over 2,000 years ago when he rose from the dead, was raised from the grave, the empty tomb. That's when our life began. That is truth. That is gospel. Uh, may we be reminded of that love, of that, of that power, of that, that supernatural presence that remains uh, by your resurrection for our resurrection today. And so I pray for, and I do pray for this each and every Sunday, uh, but today I pray for resurrection. Uh, for those who have lost their moms, uh, the knowledge, the faith that, uh, uh, that they, that she will be resurrected in you because of you, uh, and that we have that resurrection power here, that wherever we are, uh, and maybe today is a depressing day, that you resurrect. Uh, so I pray that that, uh, that knowledge uh, is in minds and hearts uh, today, and that presence and that power can be felt by your people here, by your church, by your Holy Spirit, uh, because of you, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a seat. Uh, if you would like, you can open your Bible. Uh, we actually today are going to be... Uh, I mean, jumping around quite a bit, so there's not one passage. I guess if you wanted to turn somewhere, you could turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, that's really the first, the first verse or verses that we will use. Uh, you've heard a good bit. It is Mother's Day. Again, I just love uh, what has been said already, that that is a, a love that, that points to. It's a great love, but it points to a greater love. Uh, in God for you, uh, through Christ in resurrection. We've been talking over the last couple of weeks, uh, this thing called church people, uh, which would be us, uh, whether you're a Christian or not. And I do believe that there are people in here, uh, even today, who are not Christians. Uh, some of those may say that they are Christian and not really know or uh, not really be a Christian. Uh, but then church people is also a lot of families joined together uh, that are really to be one family. So we've been talking over the last couple of weeks like how that, how that looks, how we should be, how we should, how we should live together, uh, and not like sometimes what we think, but what is in the Bible. Uh, for example, you know, my wife and I were talking, and you've heard me say this, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in church like culture that's really not in the Bible, and there's a lot in the Bible that's not as much in church culture. And one of, uh, I think one of the problems, and y'all have heard me say this before, of church culture is it really builds on our idols of family. And I've used my own family uh, as an experience, and some may say this you know, is a broken record, but I think back to my home church, which I love, which helped form me, you know, but the pew with the family name, and, you know, that's, that's nice and that's good, but other pews had family names, and it really helped elevate the idol of family uh, within the church. So, 
in a lot of cases, uh, our earthly families can be greater, can be seen greater than our Christian families. Uh, and I know that that's been the case in, in some of my history. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I am saying that's not the right way of looking at church, frankly. And I'm not trying to offend you, but yet uh, uh, the Bible and the cross can be offensive. Our, our real family is our Christian family. Uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ, spiritual mothers and fathers. And, you know, one of my passions for this place is that this place would grow more and more as a true, real Christian family. And, you know, I believe God's doing that, but I do believe it takes time to push through some of the idols that, you know, look, we love our families, our earthly families, but the Bible would say that there is a greater family in Christ. So we're going to see that today, and, and really three quick points, okay, that I'm going to back up with a lot of Scripture, okay? Uh, the first point, okay, if you take notes, write down. If you don't take notes, I'd love for you to write down, because these are three ideas or points that, that I'm quite passionate about. So point number one uh, would be earthly family is vital in the church, but it is not primary, I've already kind of said that, but I'm going to show you by scripture. Earthly family, okay, so the moms and dads, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, is very important, is vital in the church, but it's not primary, okay? That's point one. Uh, point two, you know, some of you attorneys out there, uh, y'all may know if you study for the LSAT, the if-then statements, uh, which I had to take the LSAT. Obviously, I didn't go to law school, one of the reasons, because I bombed the LSAT, because it was in a life situation that I was not studying a bit. But they, they would uh, grill us on the if-then statements. If something, then this. So the next two is an if-then statement. If Jesus is primary, then you gain your real family, which is bigger and better than your earthly family. That's point two. And then the third point is another if-then statement, okay? And this one be, if Jesus is primary, you will love, then you will love your earthly family better and your Christian family better, okay? So those again, real quick. First one would be, earthly family is important in the church, yet it is not primary. Second one, if Jesus is primary, you gain your real family, which is bigger and better than your earthly family. And then third point, if Jesus is primary, you will love your earthly family and your Christian family better than if he is not. Okay? Let's break this down. Like, well, that's maybe your opinion, pastor, but like, well, this is coming from the Bible. Those, those were my words. Let's look at this in Scripture. First, the first one would be, Earthly family is very vital and important in the church, but it's not primary. So let's look at this. First passage, 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Paul writes to Timothy, whom he has mentored, and he's really like a father in the Lord. We're going to get to that in a moment. But verse 3 says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your 
sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So what I love about this passage, okay, is a couple things, but it really ties directly into what the four ladies up here, the four moms up here, uh, were saying earlier uh, about prayer, uh, about uh, letting go, about uh, trying to instill uh, a faith and a sense of giftedness into their children. Uh, And this goes directly back to Scripture here. Because Paul says, your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois, in your mom, in your mother, Eunice, and now, I'm convinced, is in you also. I love that, how Paul ties the faith in Timothy with the faith of his grandmother, the faith of his mother, uh, that passed down both by them, but also by God through the Holy Spirit, and so it is, it is vital then and now uh, that we have a history and a heritage from our earthly families that is passed down in, in faith, uh, in knowledge. Uh, and many of us, me included, uh, as, as I said, I have a deep uh, regret, kind of mixed emotion that uh, I was playing on worshiping, you know, with my grandmother and my mom and really thanking them. So I do thank them and, and I hope all of us join together in in thanking those, whether earthly moms or spiritual moms, that have instilled faith over the years and given us a a foundation that builds on the greater foundation of Christ. So it is is very important. Earthly families, earthly moms, obviously. I mean, this is y'all's day, okay? And even Jesus, and I think if it was modeled anywhere, it's really modeled in Christ our Lord. Why, you might say. Well, a passage that that many of us would know is in John, John chapter 19. As I flip to it, you can too, you may may not want to, but on the cross, we acknowledge this on, on Good Friday. What did Jesus do? His earthly family was so important. His mother, his mom, was so important that he commissioned, he commissioned one of his disciples. It's like your job, your mission, your task for the rest of your life is to take care of my mom. That's what Jesus did. John 19, 25. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, so his aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mom, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, and this is John writing, from that hour the disciple took her into his home. You know what's interesting about John and Mary, their relationship? John did write, uh, you biblical scholars out there, those of us who know this, he wrote wrote John, then he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, then he wrote Revelation. But all of that writing, the, the true biblical scholars believe this, was after Mary, mother of Jesus, had gone on to be with the Lord. You can read through Acts, and it's about Peter and Paul and even uh, Philip and Stephen 
uh, and all these missionary works. You don't, you don't hear really anything of John after the first couple chapters. There's a reason for that. He was taking care of Jesus' mom. That was his mission. That was his ministry. After she went home to the Lord, then he began writing his account of Jesus. I think that's really vital okay, for us to get, for us as, uh, as sons and daughters. I, knew a, uh, I know a pastor uh, friend who is, um, who is pastoring a church. He's American, but he's pastoring a church in Europe. And he and his family said, you know, the only thing that would take us away from this call is if our parents became very ill and we'd have to go home and care for them. Now, that kind of, frankly, went over my head when I remember him telling me that, but as I was thinking about this message, it came back to me, and I don't think there's an accident there, so I think the Lord brought it to me, that that's a ministry as a caretaker. And so he would leave the ministry and mission of his church to go to a greater ministry that is, frankly, much more humble to care for his parents in case something happened. And I think it goes directly back to Jesus. So earthly families are vital in the life of the church. And yet, and yet, they're not primary. Look at what else Jesus said. This will be up on screen. Matthew 10, 37. Put it up there. It says, this is Jesus talking, Matthew 10. The one who loves a father or mother more than me, me is Jesus, is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So let me be honest. I mean, that is, that's very conflicting for me. Uh, it's easy to preach, okay, as it challenges. Uh, it's hard to live by. And yet Jesus said that. Uh, Jesus proclaimed that for us, to us. What does he mean by that? Because you, then you can connect with, well, in the church and Timothy, you know, highlighting Grandmothers, moms, Jesus, directing a, a person's ministry to care for his mom. What does he mean? I think if I could articulate, it's like anything, I'm trying to say this the right way. I mean, anything that we can put, anything we can put in a coffin is not going to save us. Uh, anything that can, anything that can die an earthly death until the Lord returns uh, is not going to be our salvation. That's very, very challenging for me, for some of us even as parents, uh, more so with our kids, okay? I love my kids, my, my son, as he's not listening there. Uh, there he is. Gotcha. Love them. Do they save me? Do they save us? Jesus is saying, you know, I'm the only one who saves. Jesus is to be primary. These relationships, earthly family, is vital, important, and yet it's not primary in the church for church people. Okay, so let's get to the if-then statements, okay? If Jesus is primary, it's a big if, but let's at least entertain that, okay? You might not admit that he's not primary. I might not admit that he's not primary, but if Jesus is really primary, then you gain your real family, which is bigger and better than your earthly family. Uh, where might I get this? Let's look at another passage, Matthew 12, just a couple chapters later. Okay? Uh, and again, 
take this, Jesus saying about his mother and his brothers in the context that he took care of his mom after his death. But he says here, while he was still speaking with the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside waiting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Verse 48, he replied to the one who was speaking to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Uh, this passage has, uh, has been used uh, to help articulate uh, really the true nature of the big C church family, of the people of the church, the body of the church, uh, that it's not a lot of separate individual families. It's not even a lot of separate individual families that are like really good friends Uh, for some of them, and really good acquaintances for others, but that we're to be family, brothers and sisters in Christ. These were his words. A new family, our real family. Why would you say it's our real family? Well, if you're a Christian, if you believe the song that Ty and the others sang, that your life began at resurrection and it's never ending, well, earthly families, sad for some of us, will come to an end. They were made, they were instituted for this time. Uh, Jesus even says it. You will not have marriage uh, in heaven. Uh, For some people, that makes them depressed. For some folks, it makes them shout for joy, you know. But the truth is that we will be in the presence of God with our our brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers in Christ. And it'll, it'll be a whole new reality. But that reality by the Holy Spirit really begins in his church and church people now. Let's, let's look at this more in, uh, back to 2 Timothy. Uh, look at what Paul says to Timothy. He says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, look at this. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others. I looked at that word uh, son in its original language in Greek. And it's not, uh, it's not a paraphrase. I mean, it literally means child, okay? That was the word used. So Paul looked to Timothy as his son. Like real flesh and blood son. Child in the Lord. And he's also saying, you're my son, now pass on. He's literally saying, you know, give to other children in the Lord what you've learned from me. So, to take that, Paul would have grandchildren in the Lord from Timothy. Uh, And I say that uh, for some who maybe have not uh, had an earthly child. uh, There is the, and look, this this is a radical statement, but what if there's something greater? What if you have a a child who's greater than an earthly child. The world's not going to say that. You're not going to hear that, especially in our context, where family is king, earthly family is king. But in a biblical context, in a church context, what if there's something even greater than that? A child in the Lord. Uh, For you men and women to have multiple children uh, in the Lord, to be a mom several times over, as as a mother in Christ, as a father in Christ, handing down 
uh, to other men. That is awesome, I believe. That fires me up. The, the potential for church people uh, to be so much more than just gathering in a nice building on a nice corner or in any church to, to spread the gospel through the love of a spiritual mother and father. That's what it's about. That's what we see. Look at this. You're like, well, I mean, that's good for Paul, but I mean, come on. For us, I mean, nobody would admit that. We'd look too bad, but some people think that. Skip over 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. And the younger women as sisters with all purity. If Jesus is primary, I mean if he's really primary, if he's first, then you do gain your real family. And it's much bigger, as I've tried to articulate and address. And it's much better than our earthly families. Some of you say, man, it could never be better than my earthly family. Some of us say, you dang straight it could be better than my earthly family. That's not a big jump. Some of us have real family issues. Some of us don't see a church as a family opportunity at all because we've been so burned and scarred by families. It's what it's to be, like the real deal. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, I was reading this week, Wall Street Journal. Uh, I know some of, you, some of you might read it. Wall Street Journal opinion pages. I don't know if I ever quoted the Wall Street Journal opinion pages. I was flipping through it. And what's interesting to me is that I saw two articles. So one article was on Christians, okay? And another article was on community. Do you think they were, do you think the article on community was about Christians? No, it wasn't. The article on community was written by a mom who said, or a lady, and also a mom, but she was, the title was Coming to Appreciate Stay-at-Home Moms. Stay-at-Home Moms. Coming to Appreciate Stay-at-Home Moms. So I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to read you the whole article. But she said, at 48, uh, at 48 in my whole professional life, uh, I have been, quote, leaning in. Uh, I was very ambitious. I had a lot of success. I'm a global management professional. I've lived and traveled all over the world. And then in 2015, my life exploded. On a dark April afternoon in Dubai, a perfect storm of issues with job, property investments, health, and an emotional entanglement, it's an interesting way of putting it, forced me to recognize that something had to give. I resigned from my job. I entered a period of physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual hell. Wall Street Journal, Friday's uh, paper, if you want to check it out, guys. In times like these, the sheep get separated from the goats pretty quickly. Friends fell away like fall leaves on a tree, effortlessly. A sad, hard truth I had to face was the friends who disappeared were mirror images of myself, single, professional, ambitious women. When I picked up the phone during that dark time, the lifelines at the other end were the married, stay-at-home moms. I began to fight through legal battles. I had to save sinking investments. I was trying to look for work. I moved back to the U.S. 
My full-time stay-at-home mom friends saved me from sinking into financial and emotional depression. They took my calls in the middle of school and play dates. On different continents, three of them put a roof over my head for free. They made sure I ate regularly, got some sleep, generally took care of myself. Most importantly, they had and took time to listen. They offered shoulders to cry on, literally and figuratively, and the occasional tough love lecture. Okay, now she says, this small group of seven full-time mothers were, two of whom are grandmothers, Arab, Jewish, Kiwi, Scottish, Irish, and Texan. (laughs) Texan, yeah. Breathe life back into me and help me find the wherewithal to face these legal, financial, emotional challenges. Nothing about Christian is mentioned in this article. Maybe the Texans are Christian, I don't know. Maybe the Scottish are Irish, but she mentions Arab, she mentions Jewish, she mentions Kiwi. The article above this one just says evangelical, evangelicals take on artificial intelligence, okay? And that article, to paraphrase shortly, is all about uh, a statement that evangelicals uh, wrote uh, against artificial intelligence and about how they shouldn't be against it, okay? So, therefore, uh, the Christianity on that page was about what the Christians were against, and the community or the family on that page was about this diverse group of stay-at-home moms who lifted up this lady who was tanking emotionally, financially, spiritually, and all these aspects, okay? Why do I bring that up? Because I think, that, I think the article about the mom, stay-at-home moms, should be, should be what the church is to be. Yes, you could say, like, too often uh, the culture would be about what we're against as Christians and shine a light on that instead of the community. Yes, we have community. I'm just saying, also like this lady, so often we will search in a fog for a community that we don't find here in a church. And I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem. Like, I think that should be written about a local church. And maybe not Bellwether Community Church, but that should be, I want that to be Bellwether Community Church, but that should be the church for someone that you find your real family. And that's what I want for Bellwether Community Church, either with me or in spite of me, because I believe that's what the church should be. And not just about something we're against, but like when we're in the pit. I mean, are, are you willing to be authentic and open and real about spiritual, financial, emotional uh, depression and loss with not just everyone here. I know that you couldn't do that, but like a small group here? Could you? Or are we just putting our best foot forward and not being authentic and real uh, at all? In Jesus, if he is primary, you gain, this is biblical truth, this is biblical church people, you gain your real family and it should be bigger and better. The last point, if Jesus is primary, and it ties to it, you will love your earthly family much better, and you'll also love your Christian family much better if Jesus is primary. If he's not primary, and a lot of folks will say they're Christian, and he's really not primary, uh, you will not love your earthly family as you could, I'm not saying should, nor your Christian family as you could. Where is that in the Bible? Let's look again, actually right after uh, 1 Timothy 5. Right after uh, the last uh, verse that I read. Verse 3. So just pick it up. 
Listen to this. Support widows who are genuinely in need. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and to repay their parents, for this pleases God. The widow who is truly in need and left all alone has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command this also so that they will be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, that's his earthly family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If Jesus is primary, you'll love, you're commanded, biblically, to love your earthly family in a deeper, greater way. Let them learn to practice godliness towards their own family first. Repay their parents. Yes, it does say that. Repay their parents. Verse 4. For this pleases God. There's a, I believe, a deeper conviction to, to love authentically, genuinely. And sometimes, like some of our earthly families, you know, those are the, the people most that we don't really want to reach out and love. If, if we're really being real and honest. And yet, this is, this is church people here. This is biblical church here. And then, you will also love your Christian family deeper and better if Jesus is primary. I'm going to take a whole, I'm not going to read this, but a whole book or letter. James. Who here loves James? I know we got some James lovers. Come on, raise your hand. Who loves James? I know, I, I always hear somebody. I, mean, I love James. I love James. Why? Because it's, it's pretty direct. So, I'm not going to read all of James, but you know what I did? The Lord did lead me to this this week. Have you ever read through James and underlined every time it says brothers and sisters? Different about the book of James than anything else? Other books. It says brothers and sisters everywhere. Everywhere. Brothers and sisters this. Brothers, let me just read a couple. Chapter 1, verse 19. Dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Convicting is for me. Chapter 2, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, chapter 2. Brothers and sisters, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? Chapter 3, and I'm not going to cover them all even, but chapter 3, verse 10. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. Did y'all know that? Reality. Brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Chapter 5, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. Verse 9, brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Verse 10, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. Verse 12, above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, so you won't fall into judgment. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, do we view one another as brothers and sisters in Christ? If Jesus is primary, you will love your Christian family, your real family, much better. And that is what this church, and that is what every church needs be reminded of over and over again. May that happen. Last thing I would say, 
last couple things. Uh, do you struggle with your earthly family? Do you want to love them better? Then make Jesus primary. If Jesus is primary, you will love your earthly family in a much deeper, much more meaningful, much better way. Do you struggle with your church family? Make Jesus primary. If Jesus is primary, then not only are you adopted into a new family, but you have a new set of, you have a new worldview, a new way of seeing things. And even as James, some of us love James, kind of like a new framework for how to do this church people thing. And we should at least be convicted to try to abide by it if Jesus is primary. Do you feel alone today? I know that a lot of people do, and I know at least here, not just here, but in our city, a lot of people wouldn't admit to it. The truth of the gospel, the biblical church, is you gain your real family when Jesus is primary, and it's much bigger, and it's much better. And what we want to celebrate, acknowledge, is we're going to about to take communion and give you a rose for moms. Our earthly family is vital here. Many of us have a heritage of faith from earthly moms. Many of us have a heritage of faith from spiritual moms. And yet, the giving of the rose happens after we should seriously come forward and take communion. And really, those who take communion should be those who say Jesus is primary. It should only be for Christians. That if you're struggling, if you're, if you're not a believer, you should not take communion. That's biblical too. But it is an opportunity now and every Sunday here to say, Jesus, I want to make you primary. And then you can take a rose as a mom. You can thank your mom. and You can thank the Lord for your mom. It's an opportunity. But first and foremost, above all, is to make Jesus primary. And if that really happens, if it really happens, then I do believe everything else changes in your life. I ask you, I beseech you, I implore you, make him primary, this opportunity. In spite of me, don't even maybe take me out of the equation, make Jesus primary, and everything will change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let us make you primary in our life, to our moms, to our spiritual moms, to our dads, to our spiritual dads, to our earthly families, and to our Christian family. I pray that you would be primary. And if you're not primary, it gets really mucky and messy. But when you are primary, it gets very clear. And you're the God of peace. You give us peace. You give us wisdom from above, as James says. So I pray that more of us, more and more, would make you primary. We'd begin here today, on this day, uh, as we celebrate what you do in love uh, from others on this earth, but that is reflective of your love to us in, in Jesus. His name we pray. Amen.